But what if I was a penguin? What what if you were a penguin? What would happen? Probably penguin things. What kind of penguin things? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you were expecting me to say. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fuck Me Dead, the podcast that brings you the stories from Australia and its buddies that just make you say, fuck me dead, I'm a penguin. And I'm not. Mm. <laughs> Good show. Good show. <laughs> What's your actual name? Oh. CJ, I guess. Well, not, not your, I was going to say, not your real name. Your, My radio your, name? Your podcast name. Ooh. <laughs> CJ. Which is a bit boring. Like, I feel like radio hosts usually have, like, dumb names, like Flappajuba and... Greg in the morning or something. Greg in the morning. It's always that's just a name. It's always no, but it's always like one guy with like a fire out name, and they're like Frank. <laughs> it's like shuttlecock, spatch magoober, and Frank in the morning. The only radio show I can think of is Fitzy and Whipper, which I don't even know what station that's on anymore. I think that's in New South Wales. They're like here. It they've is. got like three, and they're like Flav, Bav, and Liz or something. <laughs> oh, fuck no. <laughs> I'm Amanda, also. I kind of forgot to say that. <laughs> Who's on Melbourne Radio? Fifi, Fevin, Byron. Oh, there you go. Who listens to the radio? Don't know. Who? I, I don't understand. Actually, the only ones with, like, regular names are Alan Jones. Ugh. Is he still on the air? Gross. Kyle and Jackio. Ugh. Ugh. Gross. Ugh. <laughs> Kyle Sadler's what cut me off when I was, like, on my L plate, so fuck that cunt. <laughs> I mean, there's so many other reasons to oh, say yeah. fuck that cunt. But that's my personal reason to be like. <laughs> yeah. So how are you? Hang on. I thought I could hear someone throwing up, but I think it's just Poppy in the bathroom. Yeah, it is. I can hear that too. She's being very loud. What is she doing in there? I don't know. Digging? What, to China? Like, yeah. I don't. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it'll be easier to dig to China. It's a lot closer. I think on the other side of the world from us is technically Spain. Then why do we always say dig to China? Because I think the phrase comes from places where China is the other side of the world. Oh. And we just adapted it because Australia is a weird Western country in the East. <laughs> yeah. But still thinks it's very West, yeah. Is there a website where you can check Earth Sandwich? What? An Earth Sandwich. You've never heard of an Earth Sandwich? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. All right, so what you got to do is you need to find someone on the opposite side of the planet to you. And then you both agree to get a slice of bread and put it on the ground, thus creating an earth sandwich. <laughs> okay. It has been done. I could technically do this for the podcast, but that's like literally the whole story. Um, yeah, a Kiwi guy and a dude in Spain. I can't remember who contacted who, but one of them just got in contact with him and was like, hey, this is really random, but you're on the other side of the planet to me. Do you want to make an earth sandwich? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, that's the thing. But it's very apparently. hard to make an earth sandwich because of the Pacific Ocean being so big. It's There's only a few countries on Earth where you can actually complete another sandwich. <laughs> Maybe that's a good thing. Why? More earth sandwich. M- more earth sandwich. <laughs> like, hang on, I'm getting you a huge map. Like a fucking, I don't even know what this is. This is a 7,000 by 3,000 resolution map. And it's crazy. There's like only four places in all of continental Africa where you can make an earth sandwich. The only place I in feel like you've spent too much time thinking about earth sandwiches. The only place in Europe you can make an earth sandwich is Spain and Portugal. Just think about that. I mean, that is that is weird. Ah, uh, according to this map in Australia, we cannot make an earth sandwich. So, hmm. dreams have been dashed today. Quashed.
<laughs> oh, I could have made another sandwich when I was in Ningbo. God damn it. Anyway, what's this show about? <laughs> Not Earth Sandwiches. Oh. Earth Sandwich, the <laughs> podcast. Now what? I don't know. Do you just want to start? <laughs> okay, we can just start. All right. Let's get right into it with some tragedy. Oh, excellent. Let's start on Story's a high, shall we? not going to make you feel good. It's quite tragic. <laughs> and it's hard to stay a beat while I read it. Do, 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 do. Why are you presenting it in this way if it's so bad? Yeah, it's pretty bad. So, Simon and his friend, they're hanging out uh, at his friend's home on Saturday night, March 6th. So, this is just over a week ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they decided to go for a little joyride, you know, bored to home, let's go for a drive. Tragically, just 10 kilometers into the trip, Simon would miss a corner on My Valley Road near Reefton in New Zealand, South Island, and it would send the car rolling down a bank. Uh, Simon died in the crash, or shortly thereafter, it's not quite known in the article. And his friend, who was suffering from broken ribs and a collapsed lung, having survived the crash, left him there and ran 10 kilometers back home for assistance where his mother was sleeping. He, he ran 10 k's. With a collapsed lung and broken ribs. Did he try to give his friend any assistance? Like, Well, you see, Simon was only 14 years old. And he was driving a car. Yeah. Yeah, that shouldn't happen. Yeah. And obviously his friend was also about the same age. Uh, I still think at 14 you'd still think to help your friend. Quoting his friend about Simon. Didn't have a seatbelt on and he was just rolling around the car. Oh, God. Uh, Simon's parents were notified at 1.30am that Sunday morning when police and a reverend arrived at their home in Greymouth. Uh, Greymouth is on the coast. I have been there. It's about an hour's drive from Reefton. Okay. Quoting Simon's dad, it took a few hours for it to sink in what had happened. We couldn't really get any sleep with just thinking about Simon and driving. Um, His parents had let Simon reverse the family car out of the drive before, um, which doesn't sound too weird to me. Like, I know my parents let my sister do things like that before she got a license as like an introduction. I mean, that's also just in your driveway. Yeah, and it was like completely supervised. As far as they're aware, mm. like they'd never given him driving on the road experience. As far as they're aware, this is the first time he'd done it. I mean, who knows what teenage boys get up to, exactly. I guess. So Simon and his friend had taken his friend's mother's car keys after she fell asleep at like eight in the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they pushed the vehicle up the driveway before turning it on so that they wouldn't wake up when they died the ignition. Simon's father notes that his son was rebellious, but they kept him in line. Quote, but I think since he was by himself and just with his friend, I think he thought he could just do whatever he wanted. Which um, sounds like teenage boys. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like, yeah, a teenager. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, not surprised. <laughs> so, just getting to the end here. Uh, he enjoyed fishing, surfing, rugby league, and the outdoors. And he'd recently been helping out on a friend's farm with odd jobs for pocket money. And he often spoke about joining the Navy or Air Force after school. <sighs> And I think the worst part is they weren't even going that fast. It was like 60. It wasn't like they were hooning or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, it's just kind of tragic that just like one dumb mistake. Mm. And now he's not here anymore. Yeah. I'm like, I, like, what else could you have done in that situation? Like, I'm sure that she was not thinking that they were going to steal her car keys. Yeah, you wouldn't be like, I'm just going to go to bed. They'll sit up and play video yeah. games or something. Yeah, exactly. Did you ever drive without a license? Um, No. But once um, I was a home alone for the weekend and I was still only on my L's and I wanted to go to the shops to get something, but I, I was like a 30 minute walk there and then 30 minutes mm. back and I can't be bother doing it. So I drove without any plates on. <gasps> Illegal. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I look old enough to have a full license. I'll just drive without any plates <laughs> on and off I went. And I was like freaking out the whole time. I was like scanning yeah, the cops. I, I was like taking all these back streets that I didn't need to. I was like, oh my God, it's going to happen. Oh, They're going to get me. Nothing fucking happened. Good Chinese food though. 
Oh my god. Yeah, I have to admit, especially at, like that age, I would have been like way too scared to uh, take someone's keys and go for a ride. I think I'd be too scared to do it now. Yeah. I wonder if my mum will ever <laughs> find out about that. Well, I'll direct her to this no! episode of the podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh dear, is was that the whole story? That's it. Yeah. That's it. It's very sad. Yeah. Um, my stories don't get like much better, but they're not sad. Okay. Well, you did tell me that your stories were a bit depressing this week, so I picked some stuff that's not so depressing awesome. to try and level us out a bit. Um, and I actually mentioned this story to you um, and, uh, like a couple of weeks ago about the man who posted himself to Australia. Oh, yes. Which um, is quite a yarn. I hadn't actually really heard of this story before, probably because it happened in the 60s, but it's uh, it's pretty wild. This I is can't believe he managed to do dangerous, it. dangerous, by the way. The fact that he survives this is ridiculous. Insane. Yeah, um, like... <laughs> it, I think, like, only a couple of years ago, there was a teenager who tried to do this as well, and he died. That would not surprise me. Um, I do go into why it won't work these days. We are talking the 60s yeah. here, like the mid-60s. I think that uh, plane travel was probably a lot different to what it is now. It was, but the main issue is if you end up in the cargo hold, it gets fucking freezing in the cargo hold. Well, he did end up in the mm. cargo hold, so it actually makes me wonder if it was done differently because mm. he doesn't mention anything about being cold. So. I mean, it could be the plane was flying lower. Could be. I, I don't know. But no, because the planes go so up to anyway. a high altitude and they don't, like, really protect the cargo hold, so mm. it gets cold. I don't know if oxygen would be an issue or not, but yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so the guy's name was Reg Spears. Good old Reg. And he ha- he's from Adelaide, but he had gone to the UK to try and recover from an injury. Um, so he was an up-and-coming javelin thrower, and he had hoped to compete in the Tokyo Olympics in 1964. Why did he have to go to England to recover from an injury? I, I read that um, because all of this was from an interview with him, and this is the reason he cited as the reason he went to the UK. I'm like, was it more that like he was hoping to recover from the injury and then train in the UK? That would make so much more sense to me. Maybe. I'm not sure. Really good javelin throwing physio in the UK? Possibly. Or I mean, I don't know. He's just fucking making it up. Or that. <laughs> um, but it sort of seemed like his injury wasn't healing enough for him to compete in the Olympics. So he decided that he needed to go back to Australia. But he didn't have any money. So he took a job at an airport to make some extra cash. He was almost ready to book a flight home to Adelaide when his wallet was stolen with all of his savings in it. Yeah, well, I so. guess credit cards weren't really a thing back then, were they? No, not really. Um, he was desperate to get back home in time for his daughter's birthday. So instead, he came up with a plan to post himself back to Australia. And the weird thing about it is that the postage would have been more expensive than a seat on a flight. But because he already worked in the export cargo section of the airport, he knew that he could organize to be um, cash on delivery. So he didn't have to fork out any money up front. Right. <laughs> And he, you know, obviously knew all the details of what happened with cargo and like how big the box ha- like could be and like all of that kind of stuff from working there. Uh, <laughs> so, and he figured he'd seen animals be transported that way and they all lived. So why couldn't he? Mm. I mean, I guess solid logic. <laughs> so he had a friend whose name was John McSorley helping make the box. Um, it was five foot by three foot by two and a half foot. So, it's a sizable box, but it's still not the size of a human. Yeah, I wouldn't fit in that. Like, I, I I'd fit in that. two feet wide, <laughs> three feet deep, and five feet tall. I would have thought five feet long. Yeah. 
I'm saying it sounds more like a coffin. It kind of does. Um, <laughs> no, actually, I don't think it was because the box ended up being big enough for him to sit up in so he could stretch his legs out or he had to lie on his back with his knees bent. Yeah, okay. Well, if it's three feet, so yeah. It must be two feet wide, three feet tall mm. and five feet long. Mm. <laughs> he must have been a very short man. I don't know. He never mentions how tall he is, so I'm not sure. But so they made it so that he could let himself out of either end of the box. Mm -hmm. And it was fitted with straps to hold him in place when the box got moved. (laughs) Okay. So he could like strap himself in when like he knew that they were coming to get him. Because obviously he could still hear everything outside of the box. So um, what did he do for air? It was like a crate. So it was like a wooden crate. So there was gaps. Okay. So he could definitely breathe in there. That was that wasn't an issue. Actually, I'll show you a picture of the box just so you just so you have an idea of what we're actually talking about. So that's the box. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, so the box was labelled as a load of paint and addressed to a made-up Australian business. <laughs> <laughs> in the box, he packed some tin food, a torch, a blanket, a pillow, and two plastic bottles. And I'm like, only two, <laughs> because one was for water and one was for pee. How long was the trip back then? So it was two days back then. I there's a part of me that's like, what if you needed to shit? Um, yeah, but okay. Right. <laughs> I think that would be my biggest priority. <laughs> the box was loaded onto an Air India flight to Perth with Reg inside. Um, even though he wanted to go to Adelaide, he picked Perth because it was a smaller airport, and he thought that it'd be easier for him to escape undetected. <laughs> He just figured he'd... Well, I mean, it's the 60s. I'm sure he could have got back to Adelaide pretty easily. So, even though the trip normally was two days, he ended up being delayed for 24 hours in London due to fog. So, he was just sitting, waiting to be loaded into a plane for a full 24 hours. (gasps) Did he get out and walk around Um, while he was waiting? No. So, not while he was waiting because he didn't know where he was. Mm. So, he didn't know if there was people nearby or, or that kind of things. But he did let himself out once he was loaded into the plane. Right. So once the cargo hold was like shut and everything, he got out. And uh, (laughs) apparently at that point, he was like desperate for a pee. Um, So he peed into a can that he found in the cargo hold. Oh, no. He left it on top of the box and then he started walking around to like stretch his legs and stuff. And then the plane started to descend. So he panicked and just put himself straight back in the box with the can of pee still on top. Did it fall on him? No, it didn't. It didn't fall. I'm, I'm so surprised. Like... On a landing, you'd think it would have okay. fell, but it didn't. I wonder what that was like um, for the, uh, the people on board. So the yeah, okay, we're getting there. <laughs> when he arrived in Paris, so it must be a really short flight. Um, the baggage handlers thought it was left for them as a prank by the Brits, <laughs> <laughs> and apparently they said some really unkind things. So <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, so he totally got away with it. They didn't like even look the at the French box. French sent something back to the Brits. Yeah, and, and the British like, like, "What the, the fuck? fuck? Why is there a shit in a tin?" <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Anyway, so his next stopover was in Bombay. Mm-hmm. The baggage handlers left the box upside down in the sun for four hours. Fuck. Reg said that he ended up taking off all his clothes to try and deal with the heat, but there was pretty much nothing else he could do. And he even, like, said in the interview, he was like, oh, it would be funny if they opened it up then. Because <laughs> he was totally naked in there. Uh, <laughs> um, when he finally reached Perth three days later, they put 
the box in a bond shed. I'm assuming that's just where they put like cargo. I guess a bond shed. A bond shed. B O N D. Yeah. It looks like it's just that generic like corrugated iron shed. Oh, okay. So it's gonna get super fucking hot. Okay, well that makes way more sense. What happens next? Because mm. I was, I thought it was like a um like a container or something. No, no, no. It's just like your generic backyard corrugated iron shed thing. Uh, but like okay. you can scale them up into okay. the big ones. But yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that must be just where they put cargo yeah. once they'd offloaded it. So when there was no one around, Reg got out of the box and he said in the bond shed there was cartons of beers. So, of course, he helped himself to one. Great. Nice. Warm fucking beer. <laughs> After three days in a box, I'm sure he was happy for anything, yeah, I think, at this point. There were also some tools in the shed. So he just cut a hole in the wall and left. <laughs> he didn't try um, the door? He did say that he... <laughs> No, he didn't. Um, So he also uh, put on a suit and, to quote him, to look cool uh, and walked out onto the street and hitchhiked all the way back to Adelaide. (laughs) (laughs) So in all the excitement of uh, him surviving the trip, basically, he forgot to tell his mate back in um, England, John, that he'd made it back and he was fine. So John started to panic when he didn't hear from him. And called the media in Australia to try and locate him, which caused like a huge media frenzy. He said that his whole street was blocked by media for weeks, but he didn't get, there was no punishment for what he did. Um, Well, I doubt there was any laws written for it. So like. Probably they didn't think that anyone was going to try this. So (laughs) especially considering it was more expensive Mm. to do. Doesn't make a lot of sense, I guess. Um, so when the airline found out that he'd posted himself to Australia, they waived the shipping fees. <laughs> so he didn't even have to pay for it. And then the, he, he just said a renowned Australian politician. So I don't know who it was, but he said that they sent him a telegram congratulating him and sent him five pounds. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it was still using pounds back then. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously you can do this these days because you'd freeze in the cargo hold or you'd just get busted when the box was scanned. Yeah. But I still can't believe that he actually survived the trip, especially like when I was reading that in Bombay he was left in the sun for four hours. I'm like, how? Oh, to be fair, I don't think they actually x-ray the cargo. They don't? No, they don't have like a big x-ray machine to put they, No, they would surely um, check some. I don't think they'd check everything. No, yeah. They would check, check some, some for like, you know, drugs and yeah. whatever. Yeah, but also they don't like it. It's not like when you put your baggage through the uh, carousel and it scans. It. No, no, it's not like that. But I would say that whatever they use to scan for like drugs and that kind of thing, that they would definitely pick up a human. Mm. <laughs> um, so yeah, I definitely don't try this. I'm not advocating this as a way. You'd probably die these days <laughs> or get caught. You would probably die. It's honestly kind of miraculous that he didn't, or why he thought this was a good idea. Only one bottle of water for three days. <laughs> That's what I thought. I'm like, how have you only taken two bottles and only one of those is for water? Yeah. I would have drank that in like the first 12 hours. Like, he didn't have to poop at all? He didn't mention it. He totally. But maybe they just didn't ask him about it. He, he totally <laughs> shat in that crate. Because three days, surely. But then like, wouldn't they have noticed the smell when they offloaded it from the plane? Was he just hanging on for three days? I mean, if you're not eating. He only had like some tinned food. So maybe he just didn't eat very much. So therefore he didn't need to shit. Mm. But yeah, so why was there a random can in the fucking cargo hold out of London? Yeah, I don't know. 60s. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what a cargo hold looks like. Do they just keep, like, rubbish in there? No. I don't know. That's, you don't want any <laughs> excess weight that you don't need on an aircraft. Oh, man, like a can? Yeah, a can. An empty can? Yeah, it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It counts. That's why, like, all the new planes, they want to build them without windows. 
Why? Uh, well, the windows are very heavy for starters, and they're very, like, they cause a lot of drag, and they're, like, not as structurally sound as just, like, having a big metal tube. That makes me wonder why they put them in the first so place. So people can see out. Yeah, I get what a window is for. <laughs> yeah, that's why. You don't have to explain how people, window people functions. Just, like, let light in and stuff. <laughs> but, yeah, like, the, the, I think, like, the new fastest private jet that's being made, it's, like, supersonic. And uh, it's got no windows. Mm. Instead, the walls are just bi- giant screens, and they project. Right, okay. And there's just, like, cameras on the outside of the aircraft that show you what's outside. It also makes the aircraft quieter. You know what Um, you know what they'll probably do, right? They'll probably, like, make it so that planes only have half the windows, and you have to pay extra for windows in. Nah. That's what an airline would do. Come on, they charge for yeah, everything. An airline would do that. They don't actually make the aircraft, though. So. That's true. I think the airline would rather have an aircraft with no windows, because then it's going to be cheaper on the fuel. Mm, okay, yeah. fair. And it's a quieter trip. Right. Well, please out loud. Is this the third or fourth week in a row now? I'm going to talk about Nazis. <sighs> yep. So I want to ask you: If you were walking down the street, or you're just out somewhere, and you see a bald man, he's in aviators, and he's got the word "damage" tattooed on his forehead, like Jared Leto's Joker. Is it? Is it? Is that what it's based off? It's exactly that tattoo. Ew, well, like, okay, what, what kind yeah. of assumptions would you make about this person? What kind of person would you think this is? I mean, I've already told you he's a Nazi, but like... I, well, I mean, even if I didn't know that he was a Nazi, I would assume that he is in fact damaged. I would believe <laughs> the label. Um, so I'd probably steer clear. Well, news.com.au <laughs> called this Queenslander a neo-Nazi enthusiast. Um, I feel like you're either a neo-Nazi or you're not. Yeah, a Nazi. I don't feel real. like there's any other label for that, but okay, cool. But he and a friend of his bashed and robbed their roommate over a missing extremist t-shirt. Hang on, wait. Are there like all three people living in this house and they're all Nazis? No, I think the roommate was not a Nazi. Oh, okay. I don't even know if it's like three people living in the house or just two of them. And he got his friend over to help beat him up. Oh, okay. Sure. All right. Um, so bashed, if you're an international listener or maybe you don't use that word, it's Physically assault to beat. Mm-hmm. Just in case I wasn't sure if that's a commonly used word. Yeah, I'm not sure either. Yeah, so this is all over the belief that the roommate had taken or removed the shirt. Um, the said shirt, of course, depicted a Nazi swastika. If I were him, I would have burnt it. <laughs> um, so Nazi Michael Shane Hellcrow and his friend, Gavin Daniel Menzies, just putting those names out there, they kicked in the door of the roommate. This was back in May 2019, and they demanded to know where the shirt was. He's just sitting at home and there's always It's a fucking door shirt, bro. I used to have bras go missing when I lived in share houses. Get over it. <laughs> well, then they kept the roommate in the room for several hours and beat him with wooden battens, along with punching him. What the fuck? And ultimately, Michael pushed his thumb into the roommate's stitched wound, causing, quote, immense pain oh before demanding he get it into the fetal position on the floor. What is wrong with these? I mean, they're Nazis, so there's a lot wrong. I don't mention it in my notes, but it is worth noting that it is believed the men were on ice at the time as well. Fucking hell. Okay. <laughs> They then stole the roommate's phone and tablet, which they'd later pawn. So I feel like this isn't actually about a t-shirt at all. Who knows? I feel like that's just the, the excuse that they're giving Maybe. for it starting. Uh, police eventually arrived, so I assume neighbours must have heard. I assume like, <sighs> the man screaming when a thumb got pushed into his healing stitched wound. Oh, that is so terrible. I didn't say where the wound was either, so hopefully it wasn't like... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, so the police arrive, and Michael threatened to bash the roommate's skull in if he did not stay hidden. Oh. <sighs> Remember, this is over a t-shirt. Apparently. With a swastika on it. Uh, the roommate ended up barricading himself in his room and was even refusing to answer the door for the police. Who obviously knew that son was You know, there. it's Which a part like, of me that, like, you know, doesn't blame him. He's pretty scared. Yeah, after that ordeal, I'd or be he like, doesn't know what's on the other side of the door, yeah. you know? Yeah, he's like, well, maybe it's just someone else pretending they're the police and they're going to bash me more. Yeah, exactly. In the apartment, the police found more Nazi paraphernalia, including a Hitler face mask. 
and a copy of Mein Kampf. Is it illegal to own Mein Kampf? I assume no, because I read it in high school. In Germany it is. <laughs> oh, really? Because, yeah, that was actually on our reading list really? from my HSA. You heard it yeah. here first, folks. <laughs> no, it was... We, um... We, uh... We, like... The book that we were studying was about someone who lived in Germany at at the time of like World War Two. So then the like extra reading was Mein Kampf. So I assume it's not actually banned in Australia based on that. I mean that was a while ago though. Things might have changed. And you could have just downloaded it online. Or that. But it doesn't look good. No. Let's just say that. Uh, also found were um, a lot of drugs and used syringes. Is it illegal to own drug paraphernalia? I don't, I don't think, think so. Paraphernalia, no, but like actual drugs and stuff, yes. Mm. <laughs> like no one, no one's going to arrest you for wearing like socks with marijuana leaves on them. Well, no, I'm more meant like, I guess like uh, if they're on ice, like syringes, that kind of thing. But I assume no, because people have legitimate reasons for, and like no one's going to like arrest you over a burnt spoon, right? So, okay. Yeah. Sorry. So, Michael would later tell the court that the items, these Nazi items, uh, had a different meaning for him because... Do you want to hazard a guess as to why? I... No, because I don't think that I can think on the same level as this guy. Okay, okay, well, here's his reasoning. These these items had a different meaning to him uh, because he's actually from New Zealand. Um, I don't understand. Yeah. I don't understand how that would make any difference. Yeah. Does he not know that it's on the same planet? Oh, also, no, no, didn't, no, no, like, no. we both? That's not... Hitler doesn't mean... He's not bad. In New Zealand, he's like, Winnie the Pooh. Um, <laughs> which, like, no, but, like, didn't Australia and New Zealand join forces to fight in World War yes. II? Isn't that why we have Anzac? Well, that's right? World War I, but yes. Well, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, that's a thing. So, it would mean the exact same thing in fucking New Zealand? I mean, it means the exact same shit fucking everywhere. The only excuse is, like, the swastika well, yeah. having more religious ceremonial purposes in, like, parts of Asia instead. I just, it just doesn't, I think it especially doesn't make sense to me because we fought together yeah. in World War II. Like, that. Look. What? <laughs> he's been on drugs a long time. He's probably got a bit of brain rot going on. Clearly, because that doesn't make any sense. And then last month, he told a psychiatrist that he doesn't actually affiliate with neo Nazism. So, I'm like, is he just um, an old school Nazi then? <laughs> Yeah, like which, like I, I don't think anyone cares which Nazi you are. I think the problem is that you're a Nazi. Yeah. Uh, both men did plead guilty, and they received four and a half years. However, due to time already served, all? they're eligible for parole in a month. Fuck off. Um, and as far as I can Why? make out from the article, the roommate actually truly did have nothing to do with the shirt disappearing. You know what? It does. It wouldn't have even mattered if he did. Yeah. The punishment does not fit the yeah. crime. What is wrong with people? Also, why? Like, I actually think I seen that article. I didn't read it. I didn't read the whole thing. I like looked at the headline and went, "Oh, I'll send that to you." you yeah. <laughs> since you've been covering this yeah, stuff, yeah. No, my my timeline's um, already in history is full of me typing in Nazi a lot recently. So, hi, Azio. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> um, and I'm just like, why is all this like Nazi stuff coming up lately? It's weird. Well, you also sent Guys, me that stop article it. on like a history of Nazism in Australia. And it goes back a lot further than we thought it did. Yeah, I, I sent that to you because I think we made a lot of wild claims last we week that were just not accurate. Um, but essentially, like, so like I know in America, like Nazism was quite popular before World War II happened. The Americans mm. were quite um, enamored. With Hitler and Nazism, they were like, this is fantastic. Should probably say a lot about today. Uh, and it wasn't too far from yeah. the case here in Australia, though a lot less people were like, hurrah. Um, Robert Menzies, of all people, 
after visiting Germany. I was just about to say, what wasn't one of the people that you mentioned in the story, wasn't their last name Menzies? Yeah, Gavin Daniel Menzies. Were they related? I don't know. But yeah, Robert- I mean, Menzies is not a popular last name. <laughs> Maybe. But yeah, Robert Menzies, who was- he was a future Prime Minister of Australia. He wasn't Prime Minister at the time. He visited Germany in 1938, which is would have been like just before the war broke out, actually. Hang on. Mm. What was the start date on World War II? 1939 it started. So, yeah, a year before it started. So, not long. Yeah. Uh, he came back and he wrote that the abandonment by Germans of individual liberty has something rather magnificent about it. Ew. Don't love that. Um, but yeah, some German doctor ended up moving to Australia and he was appointed the Australian trustee of the Nazi party after he migrated to South Australia in the 1920s. We had a Nazi party? Yeah, you did. And like, it was a representation of the German Nazi party here in Australia. And he built a small but faithful base of Nazi loyalists within South Australia's German expat community. Because there were a lot of, there are, there's a big German history in South Australia. There's actually a really cool town next time I go to Adelaide, I want to visit outside. Can't remember the name of it, but it's got like a really German name. And it's built up like a little traditional German village as well. No Nazi stuff there now, as far as I'm aware. But apparently it's just a cool little village. But yeah, there was even this one dude, Percy Stevenson, who became leader of the Australia First movement. And he styled himself on Adolf Hitler. There's a picture of him. He's got the little mustache. He's got his hair with the, uh, oh my God, Hitler wore his hair side parted. It would never be popular today. <gasps> oh God, I have to go back to a middle part, don't I? Yeah. The Zoomers were right. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll link this article on like Twitter or something because it's quite long. Yeah, it was really long. Like it's an entire history um, of yeah Nazis in Australia. Mm. I I didn't quite there's realize shocking, that there was a few such a presence. Yeah, I, I I didn't I didn't realize that. Yeah, even even during World War Two that there was like a Nazi presence in Australia. I didn't, I didn't it, know it does seem weird, but yeah, a lot of people were kind of like, oh yeah, the Nazis are pretty cool. Look at what they're doing for Germany and stuff until, you know, they started to invade other countries and commit genocide. And then mm. everyone's like, oh, hang on a minute here. Hang yeah, on. Hang on a second. A maybe idea. we were wrong. Mm. Ugh, okay. Um, well, I'm going to really shift gears. Like, I feel like you're going to get a bit of whiplash in this episode, but whatevs. I picked this because it's just a bit fun. Okay. Um, so there's a pub in Clarkfield, which is about 50 k's northwest of Melbourne City, called the Coach and Horses Inn. Okay. And um, apparently it's haunted <gasps> as heck. Let's go. There's ghosts. So many ghosts. Can you drink this So still? it was built in. Yeah, you can. It's still a pub. I want to go drinking. And then like, if you ever spill your drink <laughs> there, you could just be like, oh, it was a ghost. It was, the, it ghost was a ghost. <laughs> So it was um it was built in 1857 mm-hmm. and honestly if you see pictures of it it's actually a really beautiful building. Um it it kind of I mean I I don't know building wow, materials or anything really but it looks like nowhere. it is. Um but it's like a blue sandstone. It I've never seen anything quite like it. It's um it definitely looks like from the period ah. that it was built in. Don't think they've made changes to it's it. It's just called bluestone actually. Oh yeah, really? It's okay. what they use <laughs> Here in Melbourne, there's lots of, like, gutters that are made out of, like, cobblestone almost still. And that's bluestone guttering. Because mm. it doesn't look like that texture. It doesn't on a wall, but also keep in mind, like, they've been on the floor on the ground for ages. So, things have been running over them for decades. So, it's right. down. Makes but sense. yeah, bluestone. There's lots of, like, bluestone quarries in the area and stuff. And, like, um... Oh, so that's why it's popular here. So, like, north of Melbourne, they used to do, like, lots of big bluestone quarries and stuff. Okay. Mm. That's cool. 
Well, yeah, they've, it looks like, at least from the outside and the pictures I've seen, that they have not made many changes yeah. no, I'm looking to at the building. Also for, what, 1850? Uh, 1857. Yeah, so it's one of the oldest structures in Australia. Mm. So apparently at the time that the pub was built, in Australia it was before we had morgues or police stations. Jesus Christ. Um, so basically what would happen is because it's in a small country town, if a body was discovered... Hotels or inns Just put them in the cellar? had a cool room. Yeah, it was just like where they would keep the bodies until they were buried, which is so weird to think that there was a time in Australia where we didn't have a system in place for that. Well, <laughs> that it just went to the local pub to go in I their mean, cool room like, and that was it. What did the First Nations peoples do? I, mean, the- I assume they just buried them yeah. straight away. I'm looking at pictures of it though. They've even got that old style, like very English pub kind of like sign on the outside where it's like painted up and things. Yeah. Which, which you don't really get here. So it's kind of cool. There isn't any official documentation to say that this particular inn had one of those cool rooms or anything, but it's likely since that's just the way it worked back yeah, then. Yeah, that's where you'd keep the beer and stuff. Either way, either way, the inn is known for unexplained and creepy incidents. <sighs> Let's go. <laughs> so the person who currently owns a hotel hasn't owned it for very long. And I'm pretty sure that like in the time that they have owned it, it's mostly been COVID. Mm-hmm. So probably haven't been working that much. Um, so he, he says that he is yet to experience anything. But the previous owners have a lot to say about the goings on at the pub. So previous to the current owner was Paul and Michelle, and they owned the place for about a decade. They claim they know of at least a couple of spirits who haunt the hotel, including a man who was hung in the stables after getting into a fight, and an Irish gold miner who was robbed and then shot out the front of the inn, and apparently he ran up the stairs trying to get away from them, Mm. and he died at the inn. I don't know. It's just, like, there's nothing else around it, though. I wonder, like, why is it there? I mean, I assume it was built there because of the gold rush. Yeah, maybe they used to be, like, more of, like, oh, there's a little bit of a township there now. I'm looking on Google Earth. There is a station there now, too. But I'm sure, like, Mm. a lot of the buildings that were built there have probably been, like, taken down and stuff over the years because there would have been, like, wooden things. Yeah, probably. It's like a halfway place on on your way out to, like, where the fuck's Ballarat that way? Hmm, wrong direction. Who knows? Anyway, um, so a quote from Paul... He said, it was our little claim to fame out there. The locals would say others didn't last very long. I'm assuming talking about previous yeah. owners. Oh, yeah. A couple of other owners were apparently pushed downstairs, but they thought the ghost liked us. Hmm. I do have a story about the being pushed downstairs okay. part later. But However, the most well-known ghost is a child who's aged about eight, um, who was reported to have been killed and her body was then found in a well next to the pub. Michelle said that she's friendly and just wants to play, which... <laughs> solid no from me no thank you can't think of anything more terrifying than a child ghost um but apparently children who visit or stay at the inn report hearing a little girl crying in the toilets and apparently they get that report all the really? time but no one's in there oh, that's creepy oh, let's go, <laughs> <laughs> it, let's no, go. i don't let's like go. i don't let's like go. that let's at go. all <laughs> um, michelle also said that she heard a male voice calling out her name when she was alone at the inn all the time but no one was there And she's not the only person who's had that experience either. So uh, previous owners to them were Don and Judy, and they ended up selling the place after getting constant complaints from guests. So I think you can stay overnight Mm. there. Like it's an inn. I mean, it's a pub, but it's an inn. You know what I mean? Um, uh, So they used to get constant complaints about people being loud at night in the hallways, um, like hearing footsteps and, and that kind of thing. Paintings constantly falling off walls. And one of apparently one of the guests even claimed to see an apparition of a little girl. Hmm. So they got they got tired of people complaining, so they just sold it. <laughs> I wonder how the ghosts decide who they like and who they don't like. Yeah, I don't know. 
Because don't they reckon like anyone who makes changes is the ones that make they make them like the most angry? But it doesn't sound like anyone's really made any changes to this no. place. So uh, I don't know. Um, so Frank's story is probably the worst because he was the one who was pushed down the stairs. Mm. Um, he owned the inn until 1985 and he also lived there. He said that he would hear bottles and glasses rattling in the middle of the night all the time. Um, so one time when he went to check to make sure everything was okay downstairs, he felt a really cold draft i guess while walking down the stairs before he felt someone push him down them and he ended up breaking his foot in three places from the fall he also said that he would always hear a male voice calling out his name when he was alone i hate that by the way this is in the 50s i wouldn't hear who do you have called for help (laughs) yeah uh i mean it was it was 80 oh he owned it until 85 it doesn't say when um that story happened but uh so Apart from that, so that's like three separate owners that have all had issues staying there um, or owning the place. Um, And there's another, like, you know, I guess like the usual haunting stuff. Staff say that they've seen faces in windows. Uh, Apparently the kitchen is a bit of a hot spot. Pardon the pun. (laughs) That's the oven um, actually guys, uh, so it's fine. It's, it's, it's actually because they feel cold spots in the kitchen, mm, the fridge. which is weirder. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, they also say that animals tend to like go off for no reason um, and that constantly when like people are cleaning up or when it's like, you know, when they've closed and it's pretty empty so they can hear banging all the time and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know. It sounds like it's haunted to me. Let's go. I would feel like if it was just, like, one owner who was like, oh, no, like, it's some weird stuff, I'd say, oh, you're just making that up to get tourism in. (laughs) But since it's, like, three different sets of owners who have all said something weird's going on, I feel like it's haunted. Don't know who it's haunted by, but it's haunted by someone. (laughs) I wonder how they played with the little girl ghost. Because she just wants to play. I'm like, well, she only appears to some people. So I'm like, how do you play with that? So apparently it did appear on a TV show called Haunted. I didn't look it up. But if you you might get more information out of that, um, that was mentioned in the article. But I think it was on TV a long time ago, so I don't know mm. if you'd better find it now. I wonder if they do ghost tours and stuff through there. Surely, surely they'd be. Now I'm just like picturing like, it like, like throw a ball and like it'll just come back to you. No, kind of thing. like no, I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I don't I'm like gonna it. try and interact with like the creepy child ghost. She doesn't sound like no. she's just bored. Take her in. You probably. Her Nintendo. I don't think she'd know what to do with it. Probably didn't have Nintendo when she died. (laughs) Well, that's interesting, though, that I found no reports of, like, electronics not working. Because that's usually the other one. Like, in your your basic haunting checklist Mm. (laughs) is, is, you know, electronics not working. But maybe they don't have that many. It's a pub. Was it Coach and Horses? Mm. Yeah, it must just be, like, a spike for, like, a coach and horses to stop on their way to the next town. At yeah, night, probably. I got to think about like how long it would take to fucking travel back in the day. No, I mean, my next. I felt we hadn't had a ghost yeah. in a while, so. Uh, I've never been on a ghost tour. I really want to go on one. I have. It's terrifying. It fun. <laughs> um, my next story is technically also about. No, I'm not going to use that transition. That's insulting. What were you going to say? I just girls, want, like, you can cut it. Not, it's oh. not. It's about teenagers. It's really not okay. about them. It's about their principal. Okay. So, the principal of Cheltenham Girls High School has become confronted by her students after comments she made in a school address in regards to the clothing some students have been wearing to Mufti Days. Oh, God. Uh, Mufti Day, of course, is a day where you don't have to wear uniform to school here. You can just Yeah, I don't think they use that term anywhere yeah, else. Yeah, it's just like, wear what you want to work, slash school. Yeah. Um, the principal said this is part of her address to the school. Quote, 
Please remember, girls, there are men teachers in this school, and they don't want to look at that either. And implied that the students wearing skimpy clothes could compromise the employment of male teachers. That is so disgusting. Especially, like, right now when we're having all this fucking issues of, like, rape in parliament. I feel like at any time that's disgusting. Um... Like, if you have a dress code at school, yeah. okay, cool. If people are breaking that, then absolutely you can pull them up on that. But not for the reason of male teachers looking yeah, at I them. Yeah, I agree, Lang. That's a them problem, not the young girls problem. Yeah, schools and workplaces have a dress code. That's fine. Yeah. But this is like, and this is like, those principles of woman herself. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, that's even worse. Are you crazy, lady? That's like some like internalized misogyny if I've ever heard yeah. it. Um, she has come out and said she'll apologize. That's so gross. But like, okay, yeah, you, you can't just wear whatever you want to school on a mofty day, but to be yeah. fair, I remember some boys at my high school uh, once wore nothing but dressing gowns and boxes to school one year for mofty day. And I'm sure that was fine. I think they got spoken to about it, but yeah, they did get away with it. But like, that, that's not like the issue. Yeah, it's definitely not the issue. And I envision what she's probably talking about is what's like in fashion yes. right now, which is like a lot of crop yes, stuff. No. All she said was like thin yeah. shoulder straps and like... Things are a bit revealing. I'm like, that just sounds like modern clothing. Um, is a shoulder going to make um, a male teacher not be able to oh, control Lordy, himself? The girls are showing off too much Because if so, ankle maybe he shouldn't be a teacher. Mm. What the fuck? Yeah, it is 1856. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that's so gross. Like, yeah. I- I'm not surprised, but it still is shocking to me. Yeah, it's... <sighs> it's just another one of those examples where... All of the the blame is put back onto mm. women, but more essentially the and also, victim. This is an all girls school. If they're so worried about male teachers, don't have male teachers at an all girls school. I so got a couple of quotes from the students here. One, I thought she'd be saying the opposite and trying to encourage us and say it's not okay for male teachers to be distracted by you. Yeah, another because no. it's not. And another said the issue wasn't about the policy. If a school has a rule, it makes sense for the students to follow it, but. It was such a misogynistic response. I think there has to be more education for the teachers at this school. Yeah. (laughs) For them to be so fixated on the the male gaze rather than empowering female students is ridiculous. I agree. I absolutely agree. I mean, like, you know, if if a girl turned up to school in, like, a bikini, I'd be like, okay, that's inappropriate for school. Mm. But if we're just talking about, like, tank tops and, like, cropped sweaters or whatever. I never went to a school swimming carnival because you had to pay money. Um, Did people wear bikinis to that? I feel like the answer would be no. I actually don't remember because I still avoid them like the plague. (laughs) (laughs) I don't remember there specifically being anything to say that you could, though. Yeah. But I mean, like, I get that that's not appropriate for school. But if we're just talking about clothes that, yeah, like tank tops and crop sweaters or something, like, that's nothing. Like, I don't understand. That's just just fashion. Like, I. I mean, if it's it's one of those things like where it's like those new, like, sheer see through tops that are in fashion and they're only wearing, like, a bra underneath. That's probably okay, a bit far also for inappropriate school. for school. Yeah. But you could also say that you could wear a tank top under that and it would yeah, still be fine. fine. Okay, then. So, I... <laughs> well, they turn yeah, up in one of those dress fucking, code, one of that's those, fine. Like, what was that shit we saw on Married at First Sight where she, like, wore this nude suit? Oh, yeah. But also, she's an adult yeah. woman. She has can make the choice that she, she wants to, to do that. She didn't work either. Exactly. So, that's that's a whole different thing in saying that though plenty of people objectified her still mm. so mm. um so, as i said despite uh, the principal saying anyway. she is going to apologize or she has apologized she fucking should too she also claims that what she said was taken out of context what context was it meant and to students be decided to put two and two together and got seven would you like to see the video of her saying it yes i would 
Because I want to I wanna make my own judgment as to whether I think it got misconstrued. Just in this article here. It's only like 30 seconds long. Okay. Because her students were smart enough to record it. Of course, because everyone's got a phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know how that could be taken in any other context. She says it very clearly yeah. that it's compromising their employment based on, like, the male teacher's employment based on what the girls yep. are wearing. And all she says... Like, I thought maybe, like, crop tops and stuff might have been the thing that she was talking about. That's a bit too revealing. But she doesn't say that at all. All she says is thin straps. So, I'm assuming, like, tank tops and shorts, Mm. which, in my view, is not revealing. That's just normal clothes. What the fuck? Yeah, it's... (laughs) (gasps) Fucking hell. I don't want to get, like, too political about this, even though I think it's worth mentioning, especially after, like, what we talked about last week. It's, like, that situation that's happening... Is it in England where that woman got um, murdered walking home? I haven't actually heard about this. Uh, I it, it was all over Twitter yesterday. Um, yeah, a woman went missing. She'd been walking home on, on her own and she was later found murdered. I don't know all of the details. What I do know is the commentary around that story where people are saying, well, why was she walking home alone? Like, do you always go home with someone else? <laughs> like, it just... I mean, it's it's not the same thing, but it's the yeah. same principle where you're just saying like, well, I feel like what she's saying is, well, if you get assaulted by a teacher, it's your fault for wearing a thin strap mm. top. Uh, yeah. No, it's not. Um, and it's also not that girl's fault for walking home yeah, alone. It's like what these fucking journalists, these Murdoch journalists are doing here in Australia right now, where now they're trying to shift the blame onto a dead woman and saying that, mm. oh no, she was mentally unstable. So she's got false memories about alleged rapist Christian Porter raping her. Because Christian Porter is a rapist, allegedly. An alleged rapist, Christian Porter. Christian Porter <laughs> is a shit cunt who once, for fun, would run around in a pub crawl with a bag and throw up into it with the goal being who could fill it up the fastest. He'd probably then go and, like, touch women inappropriately. Allegedly, maybe. Because alleged rapist Christian Porter um, is a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm laughing. I just wanted to see how many times you could put alleged rapist Christian Porter into well, that. that's his name. He's alleged rapist Christian Porter. Well, they haven't yeah, proven he's I, innocent. I did appreciate that thread. Scott Morrison said, no, leave my friend alone. Ha, look, I built Cubby House. Ha, ha, ha. Fucking. I'm laughing because mm. it's ridiculous. But yeah, I, I did appreciate that Twitter thread where they're like, well, from now on, he'll just be known as alleged rapist Christian Porter since he won't prove his innocence. Yeah. I, I don't know. If he's and so innocent, I think that's bad. just have the inquiry. What does it matter then? Exactly. It, then it won't uncover anything It'll... and we can all be yeah. on our way. But refusing to do it makes him just look mm. guiltier. And it makes it seem like Scott Morrison knows that he's guilty. Yeah. So, and that's why he won't do the inquiry. But yeah, I just, uh, you're right though. Saying that kind of thing at a school, um, at an all-girls school right now, where I feel like, um, you know, teenage girls especially are so on top of all this stuff. Like they're so aware of like the current climate and kind of know what's right and what's wrong. To say something like that, I'm like, how did you think that that wasn't going to be leaked to the media? Yeah. I mean, why would you say it in the first place? But that's the thing, though, actually. Now that now that I'm thinking of it, it just proves that she was brought up, that teacher or principal, whatever principal. she was, was brought up in that environment where people were telling her that she's the problem, not the men. Yeah. So therefore she thinks that way, which is part of the entire problem. <sighs> okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to get angry again. <laughs> um, so... Let's give you whiplash Yay. once again, and I'm going to really change. Oh, I just hit my elbow. Um, I'm going to really change gears 
And I'm going to tell you a feel-good story about a fucking spider. Which, Are you okay? Yeah, I know, right? Honestly, doing this on was hard for me, having to look at these pictures of the spying spider and wanting to kill it. But it's Poor fine. Spider, it's fine. not doing anything. No, and honestly, I think that this story did give me a bit of an appreciation for Huntsman. Just because, yeah, this person... Uh, anyway, look, Do you want to hear about a cute little spider um, in our so, house? Where? You don't want to know where I've been seeing him. Is it in here? No, he's in our bedroom. That's the worst. I sleep in there. <laughs> I could swallow him in my sleep. No, he's not going to go near you. He's hanging out <gasps> in my cupboard and on the window, so... And I don't wear glasses in there, so I can't see it anyway. It's fine. <laughs> He's on your yeah, side anyway. You can do with it. Um, <laughs> I saw an ant or two in there the other day, so I'm like, cool, I hope he gets them. Well, yeah, that'd be nice, actually. It's a lot of jumping um, on that, fine. So I didn't actually find this story on a news site. Um, so this is not from a news article or anything. I actually found it in a random Facebook hmm. group, but I thought it was really interesting and I learned a lot from it, so I thought I would share. This story is about Amos the amputee, and Amos is a huntsman okay, yep. spider, a person... I'm not sure who, they're not named on the Facebook page, found a huntsman in their garden, but he only had two legs. Oh, no. Um, so they found him on the 9th of February and they decided to bring him inside because they thought he's not going to survive on his own with just two legs. They made him a little enclosure and it was just like in a Tupperware oh. container. Um, but they put like some some bark and some rocks and, and some, you know, normal stuff you'd find in your garden, I guess. And they fed him some insects. Now, I didn't recognize the insects they were giving him, so I'm not sure what they were. Um, but he ended up eating five of them. And to me, that seems a lot for a spider. I don't know how much spiders eat, really. So when I got to this part, I actually Googled it because I was like, is that a lot? So huntsmans, if you're not aware, if you don't have them where you live, they don't make webs at all, ever then they don't do that. Um, so they actually just basically run down their prey. <laughs> um, and obviously with only two legs, I don't know how he would have been able to do that on his yeah. own. So they apparently only eat two to three times a week. So I think five in one sitting is actually quite a lot for a spider. Well, like how long had he been out in the garden? I would say that he probably hadn't had a decent mm. meal in a while um, because of his situation with his legs. Also, Amos is really small, um, so we're used to seeing huntsmen's, you know, they're pretty big. They're usually like the size of your hand, at least, but he's, he's little. He's tiny. So he's pretty small, and his fangs are under one centimeter. It mentioned that on the page, but when I tried to Google how big their fangs actually get, I couldn't find the answer. Um, all I kept saying was large fangs. I don't know how hmm. big that is. But the person did mention it, so I'm assuming that's small for a huntsman. But I did find out that a full-grown huntsman's leg span is 15 centimetres, which is terrifying. <laughs> but, like, they need to be fast if they're going to run down their prey. I know, but that's why they're so terrifying when you spot them. It's fucking mm. massive. So, yeah, he really doesn't look anywhere near that big, um, even though it's kind of hard to tell from a photo. But, like, you can see the person's hand in the photos and stuff, and he's fucking small. They did discover after some, you know, trial and error that his favorite thing to eat was mealworms, which I didn't even know that spiders yeah, ate those. Sense. So I learned something there. So this person who was looking after Amos was updating the Facebook page daily on his progress. Um, and by the 23rd of February, so that's just, just over two weeks, his abdomen had grown substantially and his coloring completely changed, hmm. which is weird because huntsmen are usually just brown. There are more than one kind of huntsman, though. So There is. Um, it, it did say um, the person who was running the Facebook page did say the like 
you know, the, like the technical name for what kind of huntsman mm. it was, but I didn't understand what that meant, so I didn't include it. Uh, but apparently it did have something to do with the markings okay. on him. But yeah, like if you looked at the comparison photos, he'd gotten like a lot brighter in color, which is weird because it's brown, but it you can like really tell a difference, um, which I'm obviously going to link the Facebook page in the description if you want to check this out for yourself. So on the 24th of February, Amos molted and shed his exoskeleton which is a thing that spiders mm-hmm. do and the next time this is the part that really fucking got me though i'm like i didn't even know that this is a thing that could actually fucking happen the next time the person who was looking after him saw him he suddenly had all his legs back what so he shed his exoskeleton so on the 23rd they, no wait till you see these photos okay. so on the 24th he found the exoskeleton which just had the two mm-hmm. legs obviously so that's all he had and then the next morning he went and had a look at Amos, and he had all his legs back. I got, I kind of knew they could grow back, but overnight? So, like, his new legs are a bit shorter, but not by much. Okay. Like, he's a little spider, though, you're saying. You can, you can tell. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to link the Facebook page now, because I didn't want you to see all the legs. <laughs> um, but what the fuck? <laughs> How can you just shed, and then all of a sudden your legs are back? Like, if you said he shed, and then they started to grow back? No, 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 no. They, like, their legs, they're there. They're all there. Oh, hang on. Like, you can tell which two are the original two, but it's not, like, a huge difference. And I think you can mostly tell the original two because they're a different color, more so than their length. All right, so when did... All right, so I'm back on 23rd of February. There he is with his two legs. I'm assuming he must have been attacked by a bird or something to lose his legs. I mean, who knows what happened to him, but... I did not know that they could just fucking grow back their legs like that. Yes, he's grown back. That's fine. Okay, guess what? Amos molted. Here's his old exoskeleton. Okay. And on day 16, I woke up to some exoskeleton surprise. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, they're back. Yeah. What <laughs> the fuck? Right? <laughs> when I seen that, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? How? Well, I guess with, with molt- molting is a weird thing because, like, the bigger animal is stuck inside the smaller exoskeleton and then it, like, breaks out and expands. So I guess, mm. like, his new legs must have just been growing this whole time. In But it wasn't even that long. That's what I'm saying. Like, it was only, like, two weeks. Yeah, well, they have shorter lives. They That's grow amazing. Faster. I did not know that, pretty crazy. that was a thing that could happen. That's what I mean. Like, you were expecting, like, little nubs. No, they have, like, fucking full legs. Mm. Like... But he does look kind of funny with his two really big ones. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's a thing that spiders can do. I didn't know that. Although it looks like he um, he's let him back into the wild. My last sentence was on the 27th of February, Amos was released back into the wild since now he has all these legs and can fend for himself. <laughs> Good luck, Amos. <laughs> but he looks real little, doesn't he? He's like really yeah, he's tiny. a little baby one. For a huntsman. It could be a sheep mm. for all we know anyway. But. Well, there was some debate on the Facebook page in the comments as to whether it was a boy or a mm. girl. Um, and he did say at one point, oh, Amos might be an Amy. Uh, <laughs> but um, he just kept the name Amos. Yeah, so. so, yeah, I just, I seen that page and I was like, okay, what the fuck? It was like one day he's got fucking all his legs back. What? What? So I learned something today. <laughs> Missing six legs and a petty pulp. What the fuck is that? So that is... I did look it up, but it was really confusing to me. It looks like it's like the things underneath their fangs. Ah, yeah. I, Interesting. But I don't know what their purpose is. Probably for assisting in eating while holding the food and stuff. Inspired mm. by Peggy the Two-Leggy. So, yeah, apparently the guy... Was it a guy? I'm not sure. Actually, the, the person who was looking after Amos said that he'd seen a similar story before. 
um, of someone who looked after a two-legged spider and then they grew their legs back. But Sorry, I, I yeah, had no idea. I had no idea. And he, I mean, he wasn't positive that it was going to happen mm. either. Um, I'm looking at the Peggy and- the two-legged Instagram account and a, a friend of mine actually follows it. <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, he wasn't positive that it would happen. Um, and he wasn't sure, like maybe he wasn't good enough health to like molt mm. or he just kept on feeding him. It was kind of cool. Like he um he got like cotton wool balls and filled them with water and put them in the enclosure. And that's how Amos drank. I wonder how much mobility it had on two legs. Because they're on the same side well, as well. There's a couple of videos on the page and he does get around okay. Like he could, um, he even, there's a video on the page where he's like cleaning his face. <laughs> I'm like, <"Whoa." laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know if it was like well enough to run down yeah. an insect. But speaking of like eating yeah. bugs and stuff. Um, so a year ago, I mentioned to you earlier, I was in Brisbane. The last time I went on a trip anywhere. You know, it was a <laughs> yeah. year ago, it was like lockdown was slowly becoming like, we get, it's going to happen. It's going to, mm. is it not? Whatever. And I drank a beer that had maggots and crickets in it. It was pretty good. Don't love that. I remember I walked up to the stand. This was a bent spoke stand at this beer festival I went to. And the first thing the guy asked me was, am I vegan? <laughs> I said, no. And he said, I have a beer with animals in it. Yeah. And I was like. That's not a selling point. I was like to him, what kind of animals? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what he He's like, crickets and maggots. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I quite liked it, actually. It was a good beer. Ew. I had a nice... um. Because I also, like, I about a year ago, we got sent a care package from a friend of ours, who, well, Ali, who you co-host Devil's Margarita with. Yeah. And she sent me a te- tequila lollipop with a mealworm in it, which I did eat. They have a weird flavor. It's kind of like cereal. It's very kind of like- Grainy. Yeah. It, it's a weird, odd flavor to describe, but it's not like what I think you'd expect a bug to taste like, but it's not bad. Mm. I don't know if I'm ready to just eat them straight out of a plate, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely not ready. <laughs> I think that brings us to an end. It does. I uh, I closed the page I needed. <laughs> oh no, oh no! I have removed the notes I need to close the episode with because, like, oh yeah, we're done. Close all my tabs. <laughs> Be doo doo doo. Well then, if you'd like, you can send us an email at fmedeadpodcast at gmail Find us on Twitter and Instagram at fmedeadpodcast. Visit our website fmedeadpodcast.com. If you'd like to leave us a review, that'd be awesome. Subscribe if you can on your platform of choice. And if you'd like to donate to the show, you can do so at coffee.com forward slash fmedeadpodcast. Perfect. Didn't have to take 30 attempts like last week. <laughs> I feel like there hasn't been a lot of um crapping on this episode and I don't know how to feel about it. I feel good because it'll make editing a lot easier. <laughs> Okay, well, I won't won't do it now then. <laughs> um, okay, thank you so much. Now, I, now it's me that's going to make the mistakes. Um, thank you so much for listening again this week, and we'll be set. Um, why am I like this? <laughs> now I feel like I can't say. It. <laughs> She just wants to say thank you for listening and goodbye. And we'll be back at the same time next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.